We have been in a, in a series titled Life's Big Questions for a hot minute now. We are in the last week of this series, and I believe that this is going to be the most important question that we address. We've kind of been building up to this question, and I just want to say that um, tonight, this very night, November 2023, you're going to be given an opportunity of a lifetime. And I'm, it's not a joke, I'm serious. I hope that some of you will take it. Some of you maybe have grown up in the church. Maybe you, have, maybe you haven't grown up in the church. You're not quite sure how you got here. Um, maybe you're invited by a friend. But tonight, I'm going to invite you um, to accept Jesus as your savior. That's going to happen tonight. There's gonna to be a point in the message. I wanna prep you ahead of time because I believe that God has been working in your heart leading up to this moment. Maybe as we sang, you, heard the whole, you felt the Holy Spirit. If you felt like, like the presence of God coming upon you, um, that's not a coincidence. We've been, we prayed at leader meeting for you. I have been um, praying for you uh, leading up to this message, um, even just this afternoon praying um, that there would be some tonight that want to accept Jesus for the very first time. And so um, I want to let you know up front that you're going to have that opportunity. Because tonight's question is, is there life after death? If so, what is it? This question, or this, this series, Life's Big Questions, this is a question that I, that I truly believe every, every human asks, is what happens to me after I die? What happens to me after I die? Maybe you've asked that. Have you ever wondered what's going to happen to you after you die, the minute after you die? Maybe you have gone to a funeral before and you, you went to that funeral and you went home and you were laying in bed that night and you thought, that's gonna be me someday. If you've had that thought, you're not alone. It's a very common thought. It's a very common thought. When you die, everyone's going to go to your funeral. Uh, not everyone, maybe, I don't know. Uh, after that, they're going to go to your Aunt Kathy's house for a potluck. And your body will be in the casket, but where will you be? That's what we're going to be talking about. I believe that it is, it is instinctive for us to believe that there's a life after death. Some people will say, like, I don't believe there's anything after death. But, but I really believe that, like, if, if we were just to be like, but really, people that are like, I don't believe there's life after death. It's like, but really? Like, I believe that instinctively, we all know there has to be something, something more than just a brief time on this earth, and then it's over. Um, something deep down in us, deep down in me and deep down in you, says there must be something more. And there is actually, we believe as Christians, one who can speak um, with authority on this topic. It's Jesus Christ, the person who, who died and came back, right? Came back from the grave, the only person that's done this. That's, die, that's overcome the grave, that's beat, that's beat death. Jesus Christ himself comes with authority. I believe there's um, many, many reasons, logical reasons to believe that Jesus was a real person who died and came back from the dead. There's, um, I believe that there's proof of that. And though I can't take you to a laboratory and show you life after death, I really do believe it's something that we all know deep down that there's a life after this. Scripture says this about life after death. It says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. 
And so we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. When your body dies, you don't really die. Um, Your body dies, but you will never die. You are going to spend a million, billion years somewhere and more. And by the way, this is going, death is going to happen to every single one of us. At the very end of every single life, right? My, my, um, my sweet baby daughter is here for the first time tonight. Baby Noah, she's just a few weeks old. Yes, amazing, right? We celebrate with life, but even at the end of, even at the, at the very end, Noah's going to die. I'm going to die. You're going to die, right? This is all truth. We celebrate at life and then death, it's a really hard thing. It's something we all deal with right? Even, even people that live really long lives, the stats are out. And Nick said this a few weeks ago, it's a hundred percent, one out of one people die. In Genesis, we read that Adam lived. Anyone know how long Adam lived? 930 years. Someone probably said it. Noah lived, nine, Adam lived 930 years. Noah lived 950 years, but he still died. Currently, the, the oldest person alive is Maria Morera. She was born in 1907. She's still alive, but she's going to die. John 4.14 says this, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Psalm 103 says, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And in, its place, and its place remembers it no more. So if our mortal body is going to die, um, what should our goal be? I believe that the Corinthians verse addresses this. What, what should our goal be? If we're, if there's, if there's an, if we're all going to die, what, what should our goal be with this, this time alive? Years back, I remember showing, showing some students an illustration. It was a, a really long rope, like a super long rope. Imagine like, this, but longer. And I was using this rope as an illustration. And I told them, this is your life right here on earth. And this is eternity. Pretend that this just goes on forever and ever. And I told these students, so often people get caught up on, on this, right? I want to go to school here. I want to, I want to marry this person, have this many kids. I want to, I want to make the most money I can so that on this little tiny part of my life, this sweet moment of retirement, I can get an RV and travel around and then I'm going to die. And then most people spend no time thinking about this, the millions and billions of years spent in eternity. And so I told these students, what do you, what do you guys think of that? We got into small group like we do. And I remember telling the student, what'd you guys think of that illustration? And they're like, you know what I learned is that my life is only this big and I really need to YOLO. I'm like, bro, no, you did not hear that illustration correct. That is wrong. You, you don't YOLO here because you have eternity, right? You, you, you don't get so focused on this little bit. Um, and I believe this, that what you believe about eternity will determine how you live today. If you believe that all that you have is this little tiny, this little tiny portion, you're gonna YOLO. But if you believe that there is any fact in eternity and that what you do here determines um, what's going to happen here? It's going to change how you live. Um, Corinthians goes on about this. It says, it says this, 
Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Or we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what to do for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. And so, if we believe that we really do have an eternity to go, then Scripture tells us um, that, that our aim ought to be to please Christ, whether we're here in the body or in eternity. Scripture, this scripture that we've read tonight, it, it, I believe that it tells us um, three things that happen after we die. It tells us this. First, our physical body dies, right? The tent that the verse talks about dies. We've been talking a lot about this. Um, Hebrews says it like this. Hebrews 9.27, you have come from dust and to dust you shall return. The second thing that happens is this. Our soul separates from your body. Your soul separates from your body, not our soul. Um, I've heard people say this when they've been to a funeral and been around someone who's passed away. You know, we were there with the body, but it wasn't them. You guys, maybe you've experienced this. Maybe you've seen, been to an open casket. You've been around someone who's passed. It's just a shell of who they were. People say this a lot. And this is true. Um, is that, is that they're, they're, who they are is absent from the body at that moment. And that's, that's going to be true of each of us someday. When, when everyone is, is seeing amazing grace um, at our funeral, you won't be in your body, but you'll be more alive than you've ever been. Matthew 10, 28 says this. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. John 11, 25 through 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. To be absent from the body for believers is to be present with God. Think of the thief on the cross. He, he was on the cross and he, he confessed his sins and, he, and Jesus said this, he said, Today you'll be with me in paradise. This man who, who couldn't have earned his way into heaven accepted Jesus as a savior and was with him in paradise that very day. What happens after our soul separates from the body is this. We've alluded to it a little bit. We will all face judgment. Judgment is a really hard word for us in our culture. Um, it's a, like people will say like, don't be so judgy, don't be so judgmental, right? When we think of God's judgment, usually hard things come, like it sounds like a harsh thing. But be of, be of good courage. I actually think there's some positive things about God's judgment. We're gonna get to that in a moment, so don't check out. Maybe you read that and you thought, God's judgment, that sounds so harsh. There's some really good things about it. Check this out. The first one, um, it says, well, this is first, just to show that we will all face it. First Peter 1.17, and if you call on him as him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile? No. I don't know how that got there. Not sure what it is. Okay, we will all face judgment and I am certain there's a verse of it in First Peter. Okay, there will be two judgments. Okay, the first one scholars have called the, the great white throne judgment. This is why. 
Then I saw a great white throne and, and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the deed great and small standing, saw the dead great and small standing before the throne and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. This is the great white throne judgment. And most scholars believe that this is just for those that did not accept Jesus as their Lord. I, I agree with this. Um, it says, the, the truth is this, is that, um, is that when you accept Jesus, your name is written in the book of life. You are his child of God. And, and, um, and when it's not written in the book of life, you go to a place forever that you will not like. And the crazy thing is that Jesus talks about, it gets uncomfortable because we're gonna talk about hell for a moment, but, but Jesus talked about hell. He talked about it three times more than he did heaven. It's on the Sermon on the Mount. He says it, he says it throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And, and the interesting thing is this, um, God, God doesn't want to send anyone to hell. In fact, he's done everything he can to keep people out of hell. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross to keep people out of hell. If anyone goes to hell, then it is, it is by their choice. God gave each and every single one of us what we call moral agency. He, he didn't want to make us love him, and so he gave us the choice. And um, he said, you don't have to follow me. Hell can be described as separation from God. You don't have to follow me. Um, humanity instead has, has been sinning. Jesus, the, the, the amazing thing is that he didn't leave us in our sin. Instead, he came, took the penalty for us so that the, those who accept him can go to heaven. They don't have to go to hell. God loves you so much that he sent Jesus. And when Jesus died, he took on the hell and the judgment that you deserve. The very meaning of hell is separation from God. Christ, he became guilty of all sins. There was a moment where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was on the cross and it's because he took on the sin of all of humanity, your sin, all of your sin, all of my sin, all of past and future sin, he took it upon himself. And God cannot be present, cannot, cannot gaze upon sin. And so for a moment, he, he did, wasn't looking at his son, Jesus, and Jesus said, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that your sins can be forgiven and that you can be, forget, you can be guaranteed a place in heaven. This is an amazing offer. This eternal life, it doesn't just start after you die. It doesn't just start the minute after you die. It can start now. You can start living a full life. Because I know that a life separate from Christ doesn't just lead to an eternal separation. It leads to, to death and pain and difficult things in this life now. And so heading in tonight, my, my prayer and my hope has been is that you would, you, would, you would grab a hold of this gift of Jesus Christ. Um, I've, been, I've been praying this for you guys. Um, personally, I know where I'm going. The minute after I die, I know what's going to happen. My name is written in the book of life. Um, not because of anything that I've done, not because I'm so awesome, but all because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And, and God is so good, you guys. He made it so easy that anybody can accept him. Anybody, from a child to someone who's experiencing mental, mental illness, it's so simple that if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, you go to heaven. He made it so easy. Um, your name tonight can be written in the book of life. And if there's a, that's a, the slightest doubt in anybody's mind tonight, if you're wondering, is my name written in the book of life? Where am I going to go the minute after I die? 
Um, I want you not to leave tonight without making Jesus Christ your savior. I don't want you to leave this hour. I don't want you to leave this moment because the truth is you may never have a moment quite like this again, where your, your heart is soft and you're ready to receive what God has for you. Don't let this moment pass you. Accept the free gift of Jesus Christ of your life. Scripture says that if you acknowledge God before others, he will acknowledge you before his father. It's in Matthew 23. And so if that is you, um, I just wanna encourage you to acknowledge God before your peers. Acknowledge God, and, and Galatians says, if you, like when you're following God, you don't have to fear man. And so you don't have to be afraid. I'm, I'm asking you to boldly declare him as savior by just standing this moment. If maybe it's for the first time, you can accept Jesus Christ as your Lord right now. I'm gonna ask you to stand with me and I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me. And if there's anyone in this room that wants to do that, you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord right now. Your life can be changed now and for eternity. You can know where you're going. I just wanna ask you to do that um, right now, this, this very moment. Great, dude. And I want to clarify, this is for this is for first-time believers. If you've if you're accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior for the very first time. And 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 by the way, um Roland, if if you guys want to, would you guys just put your would you guys gather around Roland? Put your arms on Roland. Yeah, this is amazing. Give it up for Roland. This is great. Roland, bro, I want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray this prayer with me, Roland. I know there's a lot of hands, people laying hands on you. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and surrender my life. Wash me clean. I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, that he died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day for my victory. I believe that, I believe that in my heart and make a confession with my mouth that Jesus is my savior and Lord. I receive eternal life in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yes, that's amazing. And maybe that was you. Um, did we have someone front row that was also accepting Christ? I didn't mean to take that away from anyone. Did anyone else want to receive Christ? Tonight's the night. You already did? Love it. I just want to make sure You'll do it? You already is. You said you don't know, but you want to make sure. Great. What's your name again? Owen. Owen. Can you guys place your hands on Owen? Let's go. And so this is Owen. Owen, bro, you can know. You can know that your name's written in the book of life. This is that moment where you know that you're making Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, okay? I want you to pray the same thing, Owen. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and surrender my life. Wash me clean. 
I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. That he died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day for my victory. I believe that in my heart and make a confession with my mouth. That Jesus is my savior and Lord. I receive eternal life in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's go. Is there anyone else that wants to accept Jesus for the first time tonight? Or, or maybe you've grown up in the church, you wanna make this, this your moment where you know your name's written in the book of life? You're, you'll do it? Let's go, Jordan, come on, bro. Yeah. Is there anyone else? We'll double up. We'll do some more prayers. Anyone else right now? We'll, we'll seriously double up. Okay. All right, Jordan, pray this with me, bro. Lord, I repent of my sins and surrender my life. Wash me clean. I believe that you, Jesus Christ, are the son of God that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again on the third day for my victory. I believe that in my heart and make a confession with my mouth, Jesus. You are my savior and my Lord. I receive eternal life in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's go. Um, maybe I want you to know that, that you can make that confession before leaving tonight. Maybe you were feeling like this feels, was, it was intimidating. You can still go to your leader, make Jesus Christ your Lord tonight. If that's you, I want you to know that the opportunity hasn't passed you up. You can do this. You can make Jesus your Lord. For those of you that accepted Jesus as your Lord tonight, you made him King of your life. I want to encourage you to continue to lean in, follow Jesus Christ, get plugged into Get plugged into the church here. Make it your church family. Um, get into your Bible. Be, get baptized. Make make that public declaration of baptism, and get a, and and have a church that you would call your home church. We'd love that to be your church. The second judgment I want to talk about is for believers. Um, this is called the judgment seat of Christ. The Greek word for judgment here is bema. Um, bema in Greek it's an elevated platform. It's used as um, a podium in ancient Athens where they would tell athletes um, about the awards that they got, right? I heard that um, Silas Wade just won cross country uh, state, their, their team. It's like that moment when they give you the Oregon shaped plaque that says OOA cross country champs or whatever, right? This is the Bema, the judgment seat of Christ. It's like the Bema. It's, it's here that the athletes are rewarded for all of their hard work. This is going to happen for every believer. For those of us who follow Christ, this is the judgment seat of Christ where you are judged for what you did. Again, judged for what you did. You aren't saved by your works. You're saved by what Jesus Christ did. But there will be a moment when you meet Christ face to face and you're going to be rewarded for what you did. Um, you're gonna be rewarded for the times that you chose to treat someone with kindness. When you cared for the outcast or served the poor, you're going to be judged um, those moments when you had the right motives. 
um, when, when, you, uh, when you brought people to Christ, right? There's literally, scripture talks about how when you bring people to Christ, it's like a crown placed on your head. And I believe it's gonna be, it's gonna be this moment where um, there's going to be judgment for the people that you have helped lead um, into the kingdom of God. Uh, and to get back where we started tonight, um, we, don't, we're not, you, we are each going to die and there's not gonna be any do-overs. Um, it, it, it will be, right? It, our life is that short. And so in a, in a more Christian way, we shouldn't be thinking YOLO. I've only got one life, not to party and do crazy things, one life to serve Christ, one, one life to reach people for Jesus. And there'll be this moment where you fall on your knees before Jesus and, and he will put a crown on your brow and he will say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. Um, when, you, when you became a youth leader and you served teens in Jesus' name, you made an eternal difference. When you were the brightest light in your school and, and people laughed at you, um, but you, you continue to reach your peers for Jesus anyway, Jesus is going to reward you for that. When, when nobody was watching and you chose to do that right thing, Jesus is going to reward you for that. Um, when you didn't have much, but you chose to share it with others, Jesus is going to say, I noticed that. Well done. When you visited me in prison, when, when I thought I was on, on the, when I thought no one remembered me, but you came and you visited me, you didn't forget me, thank you. When you gave me food and you gave me water to drink, and, so, and we're gonna say, Jesus, when did we do these things? And he's gonna say, when you did it for the least of them, you did it for me. Whatever you do for people at your schools, whatever you do for the people in your life, you're doing that for Jesus. And I just wanna get, I just wanna get to the end of this. I just wanna get right here and the final moments, right? When I, when I die and I meet Jesus, and I just wanna say, I laid it all down. I had nothing left in the tank. Like I, I'm spent. And Jesus says, well done. Don't you guys wanna, don't you guys wanna like have no gas left in the tank for Jesus Christ? Like, um, I, w- I wanna give until I feel uncomfortable. I wanna pray for longer than feels norm- normal. I wanna meditate on God's scripture and, and think about things that are eternal impact and difference, not things that are of temporary impact. The, the world though, it just has these like, it just has these tentacles. It seems to draw us in and draw us down. It makes us worry about life's comforts and it draws us into sin. And I just wanna cut those off at the root. It especially gets to us in places like Beaverton, right? Where most of our needs are met, right? Like sometimes, sometimes life on this little part is pretty good. Like sometimes it's not too bad. We get comfortable, we wanna stay. Um, but, but as, as, as tempting and as much as it draws its tentacles into us and pulls us in and it gets rooted in our lives, it's all temporary, you guys. It all feels so, it all feels so important, all these temporary things, but it's of, it's, of no, it's of no importance compared to eternal matters. One day our heart will beat for the last time. There's not gonna be any do-overs. And this is why Christ must be our center goal. So my application tonight is short. It's this, one is remember your death. Remember that you're going to die. Remember that like as, as, um, as comfortable as this life can be at times, as tempting as this life can be, like there's more, right? People say that sometimes to you as high schoolers, right? Like I remember my parents saying this, like, um, like don't worry about it. I know it feels like a big deal in high school, but years down the road, you're not gonna worry about what that girl said about you or that guy. 
You guys had people give you that advice? I think we're gonna get to heaven in the same thing. Like, it's the same thing. We're gonna get to heaven. It's like, you are so worried about this. You're so worried, but like forever, forever and ever. Like, you're so worried about this little thing, but in, in the grand scheme of eternity, it's nothing. And so remember, like, there's more than just that little piece. And we're all, we're all going to cross over to that next piece. The next application point is this, cut off the roots of this world. Don't, don't let the world weigh you down. Hebrews says um, to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us as we run this race. Sin, it just tangles us up. Throw it off and run for, run for Jesus. The other thing is this, um, let the spirit recalibrate you. Let him remind you of, of eternity. Let him remind you of heavenly things and not earthly things.